When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, Aston Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGraw podcast. And uh, yeah, overnight, uh, it was, well, it's been suggested, I suppose, more so than uh, it's been linked that Felipe Anderson from uh, Lazio, former uh, West Ham United player, has been linked with Aston Villa Football Club um, on a free transfer in the upcoming um, uh, summer transfer window. Uh, it was just an interesting one. No, I, I, basically, I put something up on, on, on Twitter, and I, I didn't plan on doing a video on this, but I put something up on Twitter, and um, it was it was interesting, the feedback that came back from it. Um, you know, I looked, obviously, at Twitter with regards to where people's thoughts were on this one, and they seemed to be all over the map from he's absolutely amazing, he's exactly what we need, to he's crap, he was useless at West Ham. And, and as we know, when you've got two extremes like that, there is very few times it would be either from the extreme that he's going to be absolutely amazing or he's going to be absolutely crap. And, you know, the truth lies somewhere, potentially lies somewhere in the middle. And I put up a small piece about him because it, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are so down on this on this transfer link because of the age of the uh, of, of the the player. Uh, he's thirty. He's going to be thirty one very very soon. And uh, I think also, you know, a lot of people are always bitten by players that come to the Premier League that maybe don't make it their first time round and then um, maybe get linked to come back uh, once more. And you know, a lot of people think that, oh, if they couldn't hack it in the Premier League the first time, they're not going to be able to hack it in the Premier League the second time. And, and they don't look at uh, a context or they don't look at, uh, at, at maybe maybe the player actually did hack it in the Premier League. And it's just their perception of, of what happened. Or maybe there was an acrimonious exit that allows people to forget actually how decent that player was in the Premier League. And I think there's a very big argument to be made that Philippe Anderson falls into that category. Um you know, as a as as a player, he's always been very well thought of in uh, in in Italy. He's been somebody who's tore it up for Lazio, you know. And even since he's gone back to Lazio, he's been uh, he's been been a real uh, real standout player for them. He's done an awful lot uh, for for that team since he's gone back. Um, and and he's been a real progressive player for them. He's been somebody who's come in there, been a leader, been a been a um, a talisman for them, you know, which has been. Which, which has been something that they've that, that that they've needed, and you know, with with regards to the first stint he had, I suppose at Lazio, you know, he he came from Serie A in two thousand and eighteen, signed with West Ham. That first year he played with West Ham, he scored ten goals, scored ten goals for for West Ham that year, and I think he had three assists. And then the next year it wasn't as good, and then he was shipped out on loan to Porto in 2020-2021. And a lot of the reasons there was that. 
like he he seemed to I'm not going to say that he was scapegoated or anything like that but um if memory serves me right there was change of manager and there's a lot of context with regards to it it's been really interesting to see on twitter a couple of uh west ham fans have have chimed in underneath the tw- the post I put up on twitter and they said that a lot of the, the that there was potential issues within the the um dressing room within the team at that time as well so there's a lot of seems to be a lot of context behind uh, Philippe Anderson being really really good one season and then not being able to refine his form again for West Ham, and it, and then he goes back to uh, he goes back to Serie A, and he picks up the pace again. Uh, first season back with Lazio in 21-22, uh, he scored first, first season back in, with, with Lazio he scored seven goals. Second season, which was last year 22-23, he scores twelve goals. You know, so he gets back into the goals. Then when he goes back to back to to, to Serie A, and I know people will say, "Oh, yeah, Serie A is a different league." Um, there will be always out people out there that think that the Premier League is so superior to any other league in the world that uh, when other players leave the Premier League and go to another league, the only reason that they can contribute in that league is because that league is of a poorer standard. And I don't really buy into that. Um, I don't buy into that when you're talking about. Uh, there being a 38-game season and the fact that, yes, the Premier League is of a high standard when you look at maybe the top seven clubs, but once you go to maybe the top eight or, or the eight or the ninth club, then you're getting into getting into teams that are very much of the same standard of maybe the top 10, top 11, top 12 in other leagues. That's a conversation for another day. I know not everybody would agree with that, but that's a conversation for, an, for another day. Um, so... Why did I want to? Why did I want to talk about this this guy once again? I don't know if we're going to sign him. Being very very heavily linked with Juventus uh, on a free transfer, the uh, uh, Juventus in this transfer window, this uh, January transfer window, the Juventus want to pay a fee for him. He can talk to clubs outside of Italy because he his contract is up at the end of this year. Um, Aston Villa have a proclivity to sign a free transfer every now and then. Yuri Tielemans, number one, Bubakar Kamara, number two. Um, you know, and I'm wondering is that if this is a policy, not, not so much a policy, but if there's areas like this that they find that they're too good to turn down and they're willing to say, yeah, we'll sign this guy up on a contract, pre-contract agreement, and then see what happens then and, and, and bring him in, in the summer. Could be good business uh, from that point of view. I don't expect Aston Villa to pay a transfer fee for him now. But I wanted to take a look at him and see what he brings to the table. And I want to look at him in different areas because I want to see how he's, uh, number one, I suppose, l- look at him in, in different roles. Um, I want to look at his, his attacking uh, statistics. I want to look at it, look, wanted to look at his defensive statistics. And then I wanted to look at him potentially as a second striker. Uh, predominantly plays off the right wing again. And I can I can hear the comments coming already saying we've too many people playing play right, play from the right wing. A lot of these, a lot of, people that start off on the right wing are interchangeable. Like, he's not a winger as such. Um, when we play with Moussa Diaby out in the right wing, he's not a winger as such. He drifts inside. He plays that second striker. There's rotational pieces there. McGinn drifts out there as well. You know, so the, it's 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 not a static winger situation. Like, potentially, you know, you, you think back to the to, to the late 90s. David Beckham used to stand out there with, with Gary Neville, and it was very much an overlapping fullback, um, wide midfielder slash winger situation that you had there. R. Ryan Giggs was like that on the other side for Manchester United. Unai Emery's, Unai Emery's tactic doesn't dictate that. You know, you get people that move up towards the striker an awful lot, specifically when you're in those wide wide areas and that wide right area. Yes, I know we've got Moussa Diaby, we've got, we've got McGinn, we've got Leon Bailey that can play in that position. But I want to look at this guy 
as playing in that wide uh, wide right area, that attacking right midfielder area. I want to look at him as that right midfielder area, and I also want to look at him um, in that support striker role as well. So let's take a little look here. And by by no means, I haven't done a ton of study on him from a uh, from a, a video point of view. I just watched some some white scout stuff in him. I haven't gotten it. Usually, what I would do is I would watch three games on each player just to get a feeling for them in and out of possession and so on and so forth. I haven't done that with Felipe Anderson. So full. Um, Full disclosure on that one first before we take a look at it. But let's have a look at him. Just checking to see if I've spelt his name right. If I haven't, I apologize. And next I check, yes, his date of birth is right because I do have a penchant to get those very wrong from time to time um, and not change them from, from previous slides I did. So let's take a little look at him here. I wanted to take a look at him in that wide area, that wide position that we look at. Um the biggest thing that strikes me here is look, we look at his at his heat map. You know, his heat map is very like he you can see how far back he comes, you can see how far into the box he goes. So he's very industrious on that right hand side. Um the biggest piece that jumps out to me here is when we look at his shooting stats, he doesn't take an awful lot of shots. Therefore, if you don't take an awful lot of shots, you don't have an awful lot of shots on target. And a lot of people will see that as a negative. Um, a lot of people will see that as, as a negative from the point of view of um, uh, the, the amount of shots he takes per 90 minutes. We've had players before, i.e., I'm going to say Philippe Coutinho, who would shoot for the sake of it. I've often said the team needs to shoot more. There's a happy medium with regards to this. He's pretty efficient with regards to his uh, to, to to his shot taking. We'll see that again in a moment. The biggest area of real intrigue for me here is his passing and his possession statistics along with his defensive stats. And when we look at those in comparison to the players that we have already, we see a different type of player. So when we have people who say, and, and look, I'm not saying that anybody's wrong. I'm not having a go at anybody for saying we've got too many people who play from the right-hand side. You're absolutely right when you say that because we do. But it's about different types of players, I suppose, for different types of situations. Because with Leon Bailey's emergence and the fact he's been able to play up top behind um, and Ali Watkins, same with Diaby, and the fact that, look, we don't know what the future holds for somebody like Zaniolo, and I, and he's been played from the left-hand side anyway. Um, and McGinn also has played up top with, uh, with Ali Watkins as well. It's about fluidity and formational kind of elasticity, I suppose, that we can change and move and, and, and direct players around as and when uh, games dictate. But the big thing that jumps out for me with, with regards to Philippe Anderson is the Trojan defensive work that he does. He does loads of defensive work um, for a wider player. Like it's 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 not even like we'll see it in a moment. Isn't it? It's, it's it's huge. Yes, he doesn't shoot as much as the other players that we have. We see here that uh, Leon Bailey takes over two and a half shots per game. Um, Zaniola takes over, I think, 2.8 shots per game. and uh, or Sorry, over three shots per game. And, and Diaby takes over, two point, I think, it's 2.8 shots per game. You know, So they take more shots. Felipe Anderson is more economical with, with the ball. He's more of a creator. He tries to get stuff in and around there. And we can see that when we look at his goal-creating actions being in the top 30%. So he's more of that creative aspect. I haven't put Emi Buendia in here for very good reason. I probably should have. Just, I didn't because he's injured at the moment. He's going to be out for the whole year. But my thoughts for somebody like a Felipe Anderson is that hybrid mix between maybe a a wide player slash, slash an Emi Buendia type they can they can incorporate that that uh area in front of the the back four while Ali Watkins is 
obviously occupying defenders. Remember we had it last year where by that position there was really good for our triangular play, our box midfield and Swan was able to get a lot of a lot of joy out there. Sometimes Douglas Luiz might never pass on. He put the put a put a, a pass into space into that area and Bundia would pop out and up out of nowhere. Yes, there was times when Bundia was less economical with the ball and he lost it, was maybe pushed off it a bit. That's where I'm thinking that there's 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 a potential that, that Felipe Anderson could play in this area as well, given the given his his overall defensive and, and, and passing possession stats. And these I have only shown the last 365 days here, but what I did what I did do is I went went back and I looked and and he's always had that work ethic from a defensive point of view. Always kind of had that work ethic um, as well, which is which is uh, shows the sustainability of it. It's not a flash in the pan. Kind of stuff that he has here, um, from, from that point of view. So interesting numbers here, as I say. You know, he's uh, he's got decent shot and target. He's better shot shots on target. Like he takes less shots, but he's got more shots on target. Uh, he's got a better shot and target ratio, should I say, than our current players. Um, same, he's up there with shot creating actions. Up there with goal creating actions with the players that we have at the moment. One of the biggest things here is, as I say, economy with the ball. He does not get dispossessed. So, in the dispossession piece, the the, the line that's over Leon Bailey's face again. I do I do apologize for that, Leon Bailey, if you're watching this. This is nothing against you. It just so happens that you're there and, and I should really move you out for, for future uh, podcasts. But you don't want to have a, a big spike at that dispossessed piece, which is at the six o'clock on the on the uh, if you're looking at this o'clock, it's six o'clock position. You do not want to have um a big spike there. And as we can see, Saniola gives away the ball a lot. Bailey gives away gives away the ball a lot. Or gets dispossessed, I suppose, more so than gives away. The Abbey also is 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 at a is at a, de- a a decent level, an average level. But Felipe Anderson is very economical with the ball. Does not get dispossessed. That's nice. That's something Unai Emery hangs his hat on. You look at the likes of players he's had before. The Danny Parejo's. Obviously, he played in a different position to where Felipe Anderson was. He likes economy with the ball. He likes to have that. That he likes to have stability with the ball as well. Um, when we look at the successful dribble rates as well for um, um, for for somebody like Felipe Anderson, it comes in better than Zaniolo and, and, and Bailey as well, albeit far behind uh, Diaby. Pass rating is best is the best of all of the four that we would have there, and he's pass attempts. He's attempted way more passes, so he's a lot better with a higher workload as uh, within within a, within a team as well. So you can get duped, I suppose, by looking at the shooting stats and going, oh, he doesn't score enough, and he's only scored one goal this season. He doesn't take enough shots, or he's not creative or whatever. He absolutely is creative, and he does donkey work as well, which is really interesting, which is why I think Gunnar Emery would look at him and do his chin stroke and say, yeah, maybe, maybe there's something in this for me. Once again, I don't know whether we sign him. I don't know whether this is even a true link or whatever. But once again, as I say, we're looking at players to see if we can find types and um, types of players and, and types of player traits that maybe Unai Emery is looking for. Because if there is something in this and we can't make it happen, that would become apparent, I suppose, over time. We just were what? We're three transfer windows into the Unai Emery reign. So we don't really know what types of players he wants with this Aston Villa team yet. Um, but it all will become apparent over the next few transfer windows. So it's really guesswork as to what attributes he wants. But I could see him wanting these attributes based on what he's done with teams before. Let's take a little look here at the um, at, at the statistics here when we look at the, the defensive statistics. So... Just to show you here, there are the attacking st- statistics, the creativity the statistics, f- um, fares out really well in this, better than our current crop, I would say, overall, if you were to boil it all down for, for, for the metrics that we have there. 
when we look at defensive uh, defensive contribution, there is no contest here. There is no contest here um, with regards to where uh, who is the best player, who would be a better from a defensive point of view. If you think about wanting to create a low block, if you want to keep some creativity while maybe playing in a, in a European quarterfinal, semifinal, and maybe you're trying to see out a game at the end. Maybe you and I, Emery, is looking at the fact that, yeah, look, you know, on the right-hand side there, sometimes Matty Cash or Ezra Conza has left very open. Maybe we want to have a situation where we start the player maybe against a, a Liverpool so that Salah can't go to town down one of the wings. Or maybe we start uh, against an Arsenal so Saka can't go, go to town down one of those wings. You know, the reason I bring those two players up is because in the past they have done that. Maybe he brings in a player like this that's, that is better at and is more adept in that defensive role. And maybe that frees up a John McGinn in another area. Maybe we don't need to hamstring ourselves. And I'm not saying that we would, but maybe it frees up a John McGinn to play him behind an Ollie Watkins. Or maybe it frees us up to take John McGinn off. Start him, bring in a Felipe Anderson, 31 years of age, yeah, but bring him in and play him from that right-hand side and not lose the defensive ability that lose as much of the defensive ability that maybe a John McGinn has. So it's all about that, that that tactical elasticity or flexibility or whatever way you want to talk about it. Yeah, we can look at him in a silo and say 31, had a poor last season at West Ham. Um, we want to get young players. We want to get in the, the, next, uh, the next big thing at, at right midfield. But you've got, a short, you've got short-term players and you've got long-term players. Let's uh, and with the the news coming out recently that uh, Leon Bailey might be signing a, a new contract, you know, there's your long term player on the right hand side. Maybe Philippe Anderson is that short term player in there. Then maybe a Caden Young takes his place over time if he was signed. So we can't have 20, 21, 22 year old players in every single position or 23, 24 year old players in every position. It'd be absolutely brilliant if we could. And teams have tried it, and there will be teams that will do it. But maybe we're Aston Villa at the moment. Maybe that's what Unai Emery is thinking of. Because I always go back to the fact that he, like, even when they beat Liverpool, they had Koke played in that right wing, that right winger situation. He played right back years previously. He's an older player. He was the captain of the team, if I'm not mistaken. And he likes to play. You know, we often talk about he likes to play a big right backwards in like a converted centre half. People have said that before. He's also had Daniel Vaz there. He's had Koke there too, as well previously playing in that right back role. But what he does, what we've seen him do with Matty Cash is play Matty Cash in that right winger role. Matty Cash might be a small bit too defensive, whereas Felipe Anderson has more going forward uh, that you lack in, in what he gives in defense, so he can do both ways, if that makes sense. Uh, well, let's take a look at him in regards to. Uh, oh, I've popped these guys here. Yes, so in, in, this, is, this is a bonkers. Um, a bonkers graph here, and I do apologize for it almost. I do apologize. I haven't put in a graph here with regards to, to how we would uh, square up um, in comparison to John McGinn, and, and I kind of regret doing it now. But really what I want to show on this graph here is the difference between, um, this is solely on an attacking point of view. You'll see that the percentages have changed on the left-hand side. This is how Felipe Anderson stacks up against strikers. Second strikers, strikers, and obviously I've put him in here. Zaniolo, Bailey, Diaby, and Ollie Watkins are all the people to play either. Obviously, Ollie Watkins plays up top in that striker role. John Duran doesn't have enough minutes under the tank for un, under the belt, should I say, for uh, a proper statistical analysis on him. So I've put in these four guys. 
And we can see here, he comes out as pretty rounded, albeit he doesn't take an awful lot of shots. And look, the scoring frequency is is uh, is, is right down at the bottom there. And the reason for that is because he has um, he has uh, only scored one goal this season and he's played 1,200 minutes already. But what you can see here is he his shot his goals per shot on target. So if you look at the three o'clock, if you think of this as a clock, you look at the three o'clock position. His goals per shot on target is better than any player that we have currently on the team. So while and that's why you, when you look at statistics, you have to look at correlative and causative statistics and situations. Just because he doesn't take an awful lot of shots, look, he doesn't take an awful lot of shots. That looks like a negative. He scores with a with a higher percentage of shots that he does take is a positive. He's not wasteful. He's not wasteful. And that's that that's really interesting to see. Um also let's just take a little look at, at, at some of his um uh, at some of his numbers over the course of his career. So he's played 375 games, started 292 games. In that period of time, he scored 66 goals and had 64 assists. If we break that down, his two periods at Lazio and his period at West Ham, I've left out his time at Santos in, uh, in, in Brazil. But if we look at West Ham, played 73, goal, 73 games, uh, 12 goals, 13 assists. And uh, he had... Um, he had a goal, goal and assist ratio, ratio of 0.34 for 90 minutes. Lazio, 296 appearances, 54 goals, 51 assists, a goal or assist ratio per 90 minutes of 0.42. So he was making a goal or scoring a goal one every two games. At Lazio, at West Ham, he was making a goal or scoring a goal one every three games. And I understand that there could be droughts and there could be fe feasts and famines where, where players have maybe two assists for a game and they don't have another assist for 20 games. You know, when we put the numbers up against the amount of appearances, that's the efficiency rating ratio that we're looking at. And down below, what I've put in here as well is just a quick snapshot. You'll understand now why I've that this is a quick a quick job for me today to just put these together because I've put in two screenshots there. You can see in the competitions that he's played, the amount of games he's played, the amount of minutes, the amount of games he has uh, played, the amount of games he started, the minutes he's played, and uh, the amount of ninety minutes he's completed in those competitions as well. You can see here as well, he's played four games in the Conference League. He's played uh, seven games in the Champions League. He's played 33 games in the Europa League. Why would that be of interest to me? European experience. Experience of big European games. Experience of navigating European games. Experience of navigating big European ties um, is, is interesting because if we want to get to Europe, you can't always have that young kid who's really good. You need to have guys who've been there, done that, and have had the, the shine knocked off them and come back and, and, and maybe had tough days in Europe against big, big players to, to be able to lead a team or to be a general within that team as well. And that stands to reason. I think, I think there's very few people who would disagree with that, but I'm open to correction if there are. So yeah, I did look. I'm not going to go into too much more, uh, too much more on, on Philippe Anderson. Look, go have a look at him yourselves. If you guys like him, you like him. If you don't, you don't. Um, but I suppose realistically, I wanted to put together potential reasons as to why, if he is signed by Unai Emery, why he might be signed by Unai Emery, what he brings to the table from a defensive and an attacking point of view, and try to marry the two of them together. Um, because I think a lot of people will just look at goals and assist rates rates for him. But it's the all around. As I said, Aston Villa are some of their parts. They really, really are. And um, you know, having that tactical flexibility or elasticity to be able to bring in a player also that has tons and tons of experience at the uh, at very high levels within the game of European football, 
um, might be something that Unai Emery wants to do to be able to drive that midfield engine room to allow us to protect our back four and also create more chances up top. Hey, it's just a thought. I don't know. Let me know what you think as well in the comments below. I really, really appreciate all of those. And uh, as I say, he's going to be for some people. He's not going to be for anyone. My own particular thoughts are, let's see how this one pans out. But it's the type of player that I'm more interested in as opposed to the player, his age, where he's coming from, what he costs. And because I want to see where Una Emery's mind is going with regards to, to tactics, future tactics, and, st and creating stability within the squad. Thanks a for watching. In the meantime, we will be back very, very soon with more podcasts. But in the meantime, as I say, stay safe, stay healthy. And as always, up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.